Depending on who you're selling to and who you want to work with, security can become not just an enabler of sales, but also something that you can do to drive as a differentiator. Welcome back to the Growth Podcast Series Inside Her CEO Journey. In this Growth Podcast Series, we share all the right tools so you can grow a sustainable and profitable business you love and enjoy. We started the series with Terry Maxwell founder and CEO of Share On Purpose and Shiftco, a growth platform for conscious entrepreneurs. Terry shares the pathway for conscious entrepreneurs to grow their businesses to seven figures. She uses a framework called Business Simples. It is not about the marketing system. It is about balancing the fulcrum between supply and demand and allowing yourself as founder to evolve. The second episode in the series is all about compensation structure, but not the traditional compensation structure. Kate Dixon, founder and CEO of Dixon Consulting, a certified B Corporation, share what you need to have in place to design pay structures that hold the lens of systemic anti-oppression. The third and fourth episode in this growth series feature two certified B Corporation, hiring and work for impact. Both businesses help founders to scale up using outsourcing talents. You need mission-aligned team members. As such, it is important to find your team members from the right platform. And even though they are outsourced talents, you still want to build long-term relationship and create a strong engagement among your outsourced team. Both leaders from Hiring and Work for Impact share the best ways to structures and engage your outsourcing team so you can scale up your business the right way. And we know that keeping your team happy and engaged is not an easy task. The great resignation is real. That's why last week's guest in this growth podcast series, Athian Morris, CEO and founder of the Engagement Collective is so passionate about making sure business leaders know how to ensure your team is happy, joyful, and fulfilled with their work and life. You're listening to Her CEO Journey, the business finance podcast for mission-driven women entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Christina Shahli. If you are new here, a big warm welcome. If we are not connected on LinkedIn, please reach out and say hi because that's where I hang out and share my business finance tips. If you have been listening to this podcast for a while and you are a regular listener, I want you to know I appreciate you. My podcast won't be around without your support. This is a free weekly show where my guests and I want to inspire you to balance between mission and profit, to create an impact in this world, and to achieve financial equality through your business for good. This week's episode, episode 169, it is all about cybersecurity for small businesses. Given the different cyber attacks that are happening, this is a topic we all need to understand and care about, especially as we scale our businesses. Jen DC, CEO and founder of Geek Tech Girl, believe data security is a human right. In this episode, she shares simple ways 
how to make small changes to your organization that can have a big impact on your overall security. When your business is in a growth stage, you need to invest in people and technology. Both require money. If you are not careful, you can waste your resources and spend the money you don't have. That's why having clarity on pricing, gross margin, and net profit is so critical to your business growth. When you understand the financial aspect of your business, your business growth is not only achievable, but also sustainable. If you are wondering what is missing from your pricing, unit cost, and gross margin that allows you to grow a profitable and sustainable business, connect with us at theprofitreimagine.com forward slash let's chat and our fractional CFO can help you. Now, let's find out Jen's CEO journey. Jen DC, welcome to her CEO journey. I'm super excited to have you here. Thanks, Christina. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So before we get and geeking out about data security, about IT, let's start with your journey in building Geek Girl Tech. Why and what does Geek Girl Tech focus on? So we focus on securing small business, nonprofits, and social enterprise. We work primarily with women-owned or women-led organizations. And why is because when I left corporate America about 12 years ago, I started working with some friends that had small business. And what I noticed is that while, while those small businesses had, they often had an IT person or a company that they were working with, those people and companies weren't prioritizing security and they didn't have the expertise in security that I had. And I saw a lot of gaps a lot of things that were not being done the way they should have been done, things that were getting overlooked. And so initially I started consulting with those friends to help them secure their businesses. Some people made some recommendations. They're like, you know, you should really think about doing this. And so I decided to give it a go. And then within a few years, it really started to evolve into, aside from just like a consulting company, security consulting company, I started thinking about the legacy. What do we want to do? Like, And also started understanding about conscious capitalism and building a different kind of company. And from there, came up with the idea to dig down into the mission. And what I realized is that as a woman in tech and a woman in security, I was really used to being one of, right? One of five on a team, one of 12 on a team. Like it really, you get really, really used to being the only woman in the room. And I realized also that I didn't want to continue climbing the tech and security ladder. What I really wanted to do was to help other women get into security and grow in security and advance in security. I realized I had a lot of opportunities, you know, and I got a lot of luck and a lot of opportunities along the way. And not a lot of women get that. So it was really important to me as we build the company to be thinking about how we can help other women get into and, and grow in security. In one of your interview and on also your website, you see security as a human right. Why do you see security as a human right? First of all, let me just say, this is not an original idea created by me. <laughs> um, <laughs> in 1948, 1948, so that's, what is that, six, 
almost 50, 60 years ago, the UN identified security of a person is a basic entitlement guaranteed by the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which was adopted by the United Nations in 1948. It is also, security is also a human right explicitly defined and guaranteed by the European Convention on Human Rights, the Constitution of Canada, the Constitution <laughs> of South Africa, and other laws around the world. Okay, so what does this mean? Like, we care about people and we believe that people have a right to be safe. Mm-hmm. If we can agree on that, then we can say, you know what? Your data security is part of your security as a person. Because we're not just people walking around and you can be hurt physically, but you can also be hurt financially. Things like identity theft, fraud, cyber crimes, those hurt a person. Because if you're hurting someone financially, you're also potentially affecting their physical security, right? Like their ability to, to provide shelter, their ability to you know take care of themselves. So data security is equally as important in the world of, of rights, I, I believe. And I, and I think that the United Nations would agree. <laughs> there you go. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> so before we really dive into the data security, I want to give my audience an overview because IT or information technology is such a broad term. Can you explain what does information technology mean for small to mid-sized socially conscious companies? for lack of a better word, information that you need to operate your business needs to be protected, right? And needs to be managed in some way. So let's say, for example, if you're in 1980s, if you're in the, in the 80s, we still had lots of papers and they were in folders. That's not IT, right? That's just information. But the moment that we make those files electronic and now they're PDFs, Now that's information technology because now we're using technology to manage information and to house information and just, you know, to store it and to move it, to process it. Right. So that's something that now you need to think about managing. Right. So that's your files. That's your, you know, we do everything online now. Right. So that could be your website. If you're selling products online, e-commerce, if you have a mailing list, your marketing engine, right? How you send things, even just your email system is now a piece of technology that you need to worry about managing. Um, Your computers, your laptops, your phones, iPads, any devices that you use to access information that is um, important to your business, you need to be thinking about. What is the common misconception about information technology and data security specifically? Well, I think the biggest misconception is that the IT folks, like whoever is taking care of IT, are also doing everything they need to do to secure it. An IT company or an IT person could be in charge of saying, setting up a computer, making sure your applications are installed, making sure, you know, your Microsoft Office is installed if you use Office or you know, what have you, making sure your accounts are there, like creating accounts. It's security's role to decide how the computer should be configured so that it's secure and locked down because out of the box, it is not. So as an example, in Windows, 
This is a common misconception that people just assume that because it's Windows, it's Microsoft. So Microsoft must be securing my data, right? Mm -hmm. What people don't realize is that out of the box, Microsoft does not automatically encrypt everything on the hard drive. So what that means is that if your laptop is lost or stolen, then attackers or attackers could take the hard drive and read all the data on the hard drive. They could read all of your files and they can take all of your files unless they're encrypted. Microsoft for years has charged an extra fee and it's kind of a pain in the butt process if you ask me to upgrade the version of Windows that most people buy to a version that supports encrypting the entire hard drive. But very few people know that. On the Mac, Mac provides the feature, but it's not turned on out of the box. So if you buy a Mac laptop, whether it's an Air or MacBook Pro, doesn't matter, you have to go into system preferences and check that little box in um, under security and privacy called File Vault. And File Vault, when you check that box, that's what will then kick off the encryption process and will make sure that the entire computer is encrypted so that if your computer is lost or stolen, you don't have to worry about somebody else being able to see your files. As a finance person, I'm just going to say that is, I, I kind of, I'm like, huh? Okay, what? <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? I know. And you have, you think about it, you have people running small businesses everywhere, all over the world, right? And they're doing it on their, on their computers. They go to, they go to the store or maybe they buy online and the computer comes and they install QuickBooks or whatever, or maybe they, they're using it in the cloud, you know, whatever. And they're doing their business and they do not even realize that the computers that they're working on are not secured because there's an assumption that things are just secure by default. And that is absolutely not not the case. Let's break it apart a little bit. I cannot even comprehend like what is data security and then how big it is. Because throughout this conversation, even you talk about file, you talk about website, you talk about mailing list, you talk about email system, you talk about IT devices, right? So much. So where do we, as a founder of small businesses in a growth stage, like where do we even start? If someone comes to you, hey, Jen, I need your help, but I don't understand what is data security. How would you walk them through the process that you're going to be doing with them? Yeah, so there's two paths. The first one is understanding all of the systems that you have in place, right? So you know, you had to go buy your domain name. You know that you had to buy, you probably had to buy web hosting. If you're using WordPress, maybe you bought a theme, maybe you have plugins, or maybe you paid someone to to do all of this for you, right? But these are all pieces that need to be purchased for your business. Maybe you have Google Business, right? Maybe you have, like I said, you have MailChimp. So I would say step one is just to write down all of the systems that you can think of that your business depends on. If one of those goes away or is compromised, let's say if I come along and steal it from you, what happens? What if? So let's take your domain name. And one of the first things we all do is we're like, okay, I want this domain name. I'm going to go to whatever registrar, like GoDaddy or some other place that people go and buy a domain name. Well, imagine if I were to somehow get access to your registrar account 
And if I could get in, imagine what I might be able to do with it, right? So I could change where people go when they go to your website. Like when they type in your domain name, I could change it to a totally different server. It looks just like your server, but it's actually my server. And I could do all sorts of bad things from there, right? I could change where your email goes because your email is configured with DNS records, right? DNS records, that's really confusing. But essentially, if I have access to your registrar, then I can alter where your email is sent. So I can basically own your company if I just get a hold of your registrar. But most people, because the registrar is one of the very first things that companies do when they're thinking about starting a company is getting that domain name, they often don't think about it as something that needs to be secured. And there's a really good example. So I would say, so to answer your question, start with just writing out all the systems that you depend on. And you can think about all the places where you're spending. You can look into your QuickBooks and see where since the beginning of my business, like where have I spent money? Which companies have I given money to for for my business? You can go back and review your expenses. And then the second path I would say is to go down is to, or exercise, would be to think about the data that you collect, the data that you process, right? So if you're in marketing, maybe you're handling copy, maybe you're handling graphics, maybe you're handling passwords for your clients, right? It really depends on your business. If you're in finance, maybe you're handling sensitive financial information like tax forms or things like that. So you really need to think about the data. Maybe you have as a company, maybe you have an onboarding form that you ask your clients to fill out. So not only do you have a system wherever that form is housed, but you also have the data that the form is collecting. Where does that data go? How does it live? Who has access to it? How do you manage it? And how do you destroy that data when it's no longer needed? Um, And how, if I didn't already mention, like how is that data secured wherever it is? Is that data encrypted? Because it should be, regardless of where it lives, it should be encrypted. So those are the sorts of things that I that, that I talk through with, with, with businesses, the systems and the data. And you really want to understand kind of the flow of the data through your business. If you think about, I in my mind, I have like a sorry, you know, like a sorry board, and there's like pieces moving around and things are kind of like flowing around. And and so in my mind, I'm thinking about where does that data go on the board of life, right? And so, and as you think that through, like every system that touches that data is a system that you need to care about protecting. As you're talking and I'm thinking like, okay, all the systems and then all the data that I collect, especially in my business, right? I'm collecting like a lot of financial information. You know, there is a software that I use for cash flow. There is a software that I use for a forecast. There is a software that I use for accounting. I mean, there's so many systems. And then I think even what you were talking about, like domain name, web hosting, like plugin, I'm like, okay, well, I thought that would be automatically protected by whoever, (laughs) by whoever I purchase it. So what you are telling me now, whoever I am dealing with right now in terms of the systems, they may not have the necessary data protection, data security from their side. I have to be proactive and do it 
from my side as well? Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Not only do you have to make sure that you're taking actions to protect the data, but you also need to be taking actions to make sure that the company that you're working with is protecting the data and they're doing their thing. So that's why when we started, when, when, we, when we started a few minutes ago, we were talking about the misconception. And I was saying, like, don't assume that the company you're working with is doing the secure thing. So let me give you an example and why it's really important to think about like security versus tech. I think tech, I kind of like think about, think about building a house. There's someone who designs the house. There's an architect. If you're in California, architects are making sure that your house is not going to fall over in an earthquake. It's very specialized. You can't just go be an architect. Like I can't decide tomorrow I'm going to go be an architect. It's highly specialized. That being said, you could, however, be a general contractor and build a house. Someone could have the know-how to construct a house, but that doesn't necessarily make them the person or the company that you want to protect to make sure that that house is designed securely. So. If you think about it in just like in those terms, then when you go to tech, it's like, okay, there's people who can, who can construct tech and who can manage tech. There are also IT companies that sell security as a product or as a service, and they talk a good talk about security. But oftentimes, if you were to ask a security company, they're actually like able to see things that IT companies are either not seeing or not doing, gaps that get left, just because it's a different expertise. I have all of the software that I'm using. I have used like Google's. I use Box to keep all my file from the clients. You make me think now that I'm like, is it safe? Can anybody break in? Like, isn't those companies that I'm dealing with, shouldn't they be thinking about data security on how to protect their clients? Like, it's baffle me. Yeah, definitely. But yes, and (laughs) (laughs) you're right, they do. And what they would probably say is that they're making features available to you, but they are not necessarily forcing security on you. Now, after you analyze all the systems and then you think about the data that your clients or whoever that comes into your door and then understand how they collect the data. What is your next step? Yeah, so I personally go at it in two different ways. One is what is kind of like the low-hanging fruit? What are the systems or processes that we can put in place right away that will have the greatest impact? Are there simple things that we can do that will just up the level of security right away? So for example, implementing two-factor authentication on all of the most sensitive, critical systems, making sure that all of those systems have two-factor. Like that's a really easy win. Almost all systems give you the ability now to do two-factor authentication. It's just a matter of actually going in and doing it. So that's one thing. The other is a little more about looking at it from a threat perspective, which is, okay, I have this data. So if you're in, in your case, like with finance, I have this data let's go look at where that data is and make sure that place is fully locked down first. So it might be going and looking at Box and saying, okay, do I have the right version of Box that supports the features that I need? 
what version of box am I on now? Which version of box do I want to go to? And then once you go to that version, then work with someone to help you like walk through all of those, um, all of those security options so that you can understand how to make those decisions and which ones you should turn on and what you should set them to. Because again, they're not just on off switch. Sometimes it's, it's on and there's like a setting. So for example, maybe you want to set a password policy well, okay, how many characters does it need to be? Does it does it need to be strong? Do I need to put on there an exclamation, you know, a special character? Box will give you the options to choose like what things you want to require. And it's just up to you to decide what you want to require and not. Working with someone who has a background in security can help you think through those choices and make the right ones for you. Now, the other thing that I, I'm thinking about as you are talking about this like email, so many information is like floating around from one email to another. How do you even protect it? Like how? A lot of people are using Gmail and a lot of people are using G Drive, a Google Drive. And then we uploaded all the files and then we share with people and all that stuff. Are there protection for those? It depends on their security configuration, right? So if a person does not have two-factor authentication turned on, then their G Suite environment is not going to be very, is not going to be as secure. And if your sensitive information is in Google Drive, then that also means that your sensitive information is less secure. Because if you fall prey to a phishing attack, which is where someone sends you a link and you click on that link and then you accidentally, like you type in your username and password, not, not realizing like that's not really Google or not really Microsoft then you've just given your username and password to an attacker. They go log in as you and download all of your data, right? They can access everything you have, including your email. So what I would say, there's a couple of basic things from a hygiene, like security hygiene perspective when it comes to email. I think it is safer to assume that email is not secure. The reason for that is that even if your email is secure, and your G Suite environment is secure or your Microsoft environment is secure, you don't know if the person on the other end, if their environment is secure. So when companies ask people to email them sensitive information, I freak out (laughs) because it is not good because even though your systems might be secure, you don't know about the person you're asking to send. And like their computer might not be encrypted or their email may not be configured securely. And now someone just emailed um, sensitive information to you. It's sitting in their sent items. So if their account ever gets hacked, hacker gets all their like old tax returns or IRS documents or like whatever they've sent. If it has sensitive information on it, then the hackers now have access to that. So I strongly, strongly advocate to never send things that are sensitive in email, if you can avoid it, don't do it. Just don't do it. It's much safer to upload a document into a secured folder and send someone a link to that document or folder. That way you can destroy the link. And also the link will have, ideally would have authentication, right? So it would be making sure that that person is who they say they are, not just like a public link. It's kind of like when you share a a Google Doc. I share a Google Doc with you. If you're not logged and I send you the link to it, Google prompts you to log in, right? Unless I made that link public. So you want to use security in that way. So like if I were going to share something with you and it was sensitive, I would put it in a folder specifically meant 
for sharing. And then I would send you a link to that document. I would, you know, I would share that document with you using that, that proper mechanism instead of just emailing you the document. Once you are done with the low-hanging fruits, what is your, the next step of your process? So next, I would say we look at what things are dependent, like where are the dependencies? So for example, this is partly a low-hanging fruit, but also partly a process thing. If a company is storing passwords in spreadsheets, which well, we've all seen that happen, right? And they also need to roll out like two-factor authentication. And in many cases, we'll recommend companies implement a really good password manager first so that they can then use that password manager to also store their two-factor codes. So for example, 1Password is a great program. You can create strong passwords in it. Instead of creating passwords on your own, you really should be allowing a password manager to create the password for you so that every account has a different password. So you can create strong passwords. Now you're securely storing passwords. You can also share those passwords securely with other people on your, on your team. And then the last piece of this that we really like is that you can also use it to store your two-factor authentication codes. And if you need to share, like let's say you have to share your MailChimp account, you have two-factor enabled in MailChimp. Well, if you share that password in one password with someone else on your team, they also get the two-factor code. So if you've ever run into a situation where someone is calling you or asking you for some for a text message code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it happens all can, the time. There you go. Like you can totally avoid that by using one password. So you can see how with just one tool, implementing one tool can greatly improve the security of an organization because then you can go around and like once everybody knows how to do that, then turning on two factor on all of your accounts is so much easier because one password makes it so easy. Essentially, what we're doing is we're kind of like laying out the building blocks, right? So we we start with security awareness training because if you can't get people on board with what you're doing, like people really need to understand security. They need to understand why this is important and why we're turning on two-factor, even though it's a pain in, in the rear if you're not used to it. And that's helpful because once people understand, then they're going to be much better advocates, not just for the business, but also just you know for all of our projects. It takes time to put in security. I wish I wish you could just come in and like wave a wand and come in one day and leave and the next day everything is all better. But in reality, it takes at least a year, sometimes a lot longer, depending on the size of your organization and deciding um, and also depending on how fast everyone is willing to move. I would say it takes a, you know a good year or more to really develop and implement a strong program. That's why, you know, I, I want to speak with you and bring you to my audience because I believe there are a few things out there in terms of business processes that a lot of founders just put it in the back burner. But actually, if you don't protect your data, you can lose everything and that's going to impact your bottom line. How do you link data security to profitability? It really depends on what your business is, but I would say that depending on who you're selling to and who you want to work with, security can become not just an enabler of sales, but also something that you can do to drive as a differentiator. Let's say for you, for example, if you're trying to sell your services to founders, then you can say like, hey, here's all the things that we do to secure our systems and our networks. Before you make a decision, maybe you should check with the other people and ask them some questions. 
because chances are they don't have those same security measures in place. Now, do you find there is complexity for different industry in terms of data security? Yeah, absolutely. Which one is more complicated and which one that also really need to pay attention to data security? From a business perspective, I would say healthcare is really complex. And because you've got healthcare providers all over that are providing services but can't afford the security. Obviously, accounting and finance is a big one because there's so many systems. And also, people who are doing accounting are also working in so many different verticals. You're probably working with a variety of different companies and they have different industries. And so there's Zero, and there's QuickBooks and there's like all these different platforms and there's all these new fintech companies and integrations and all of these integrations are places where things can run off the rails and can be insecure. So it's not just the systems, but it's like all the little pieces that connect them can also be a problem. Yes, absolutely. What about product-based business? Do they have the same risks as finance and accounting and healthcare provider? I would say they still run a risk to their business, but it's not the effect is not, the impact is not going to probably be as great, right? Let's say you make cookies, right? (laughs) Um, Your ability to make cookies could be severely impacted and you could lose your business. Like what if somebody steals your recipe? Intellectual property is critical to keep. But what if hackers also somehow manage to take out your business in a way that hurts you and you're unable to recover? There was a study a couple of years ago, I think it was put out by the FBI or maybe Verizon Wireless. They put out a big security report that said that 63% of small businesses go out of business within one year after suffering from a major attack or a major breach. I believe that that can happen. Because financially, you know, large companies can shoulder the burden of such a financial but small businesses aren't in a position. Is data on a cloud, is it secure? Is it protected? Or I shouldn't assume? (laughs) You should never, you should never assume. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you should never assume. You know, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, like they're doing things that they need to do, but that doesn't mean that you don't also need to do things. So think about when you first sign up for Google. When you first sign up for a Google account, not Gmail, but like a Google business account, you get in there, you can start using it right away. And that's what most businesses do. (laughs) What they don't realize is that there's a whole bunch of checkboxes that need to be checked (laughs) and things that need to be configured inside the configuration in the admin console. And so that's things like we talked about earlier, like like two-factor, like password policy, like You know, do you want to allow people to trust their devices? You know, things like that. Do you want to allow files to be downloaded or not? These are settings that you can manage inside tools like G Suite or Microsoft Online. Another one is backups. Google, Microsoft, like all these cloud services, they provide some level of backup. I think Google, for example, if you delete something, I think you get, I want to say 20 or 25 days. Yes, you got about that because I just experienced it. I'm like, oh, 
crap. Like I basically <laughs> delete something and then where is it now? Yeah. But what people don't realize is that it's only, it's like less than a month. And what happens so many times is businesses will go looking for something important, like a tax return, or they'll go looking for something from like two or three years ago. And it's not there. And they're like, where is this thing? And they don't realize that someone on their team, you know, inadvertently deleted it like, you know, a year ago or six months ago. And now you go to Google and they're like, "Mm, sorry, like we don't see that in the last 30 days. If it was deleted more than, you know, more than 20 or 25 days ago, you can't recover it. So it's really important to think about having a secondary, an actual backup service that you can back up your emails, your you know, your drive, like all your, you know, all your information that you have in Google Workspace or Microsoft Office 365 to a third so that you can, you know, you don't have that. I have to admit, I'm like, oh, okay. I thought that Google would back those up. Now I know, I realized, oh no, they don't. And then this is, this is the key thing, like, especially for financial information, especially when it relates your financial information will need to go to your tax return. <laughs> and then normally with the tax return, with any financial information, you need to keep it at a very minimum seven years. And then I think this is applicable to all small business. You better keep your financial information for seven years, just in case if the tax authority come back to you and ask you, you have that information. If Google... Drive only keep for 30 days. Okay. Yeah. We're missing. We're missing yeah. like seven years less a month. <laughs> That's insane. That's insane. But Jen, you know, I can keep talking about this, but you know, we're not going to do that. We're going to stop. I truly appreciate you coming on and then share all your expertise about data security. Now, is there anything else that I haven't asked you and you want to share with my audience who are mostly growth stage, what else do they need to think about in terms of data security? Well, we talked about, you know, securing your people, right? So there's security awareness training, password managers, password policies, things like that, two-factor authentication. We talked about securing your systems, So making sure, actually, we talked some about systems, but you also want to make sure that that all your laptops, your phones, those things, you have to make sure that those are always being updated. And again, going back into that, don't assume, do not assume that just because you turn automatic updates on, that things are automatically updating because so many times that update process fails. And for whatever reason, it's not being run. If you don't have someone who's looking and making sure on a regular basis, you could end up with a situation where, you know, a computer or a phone is out of life or, and, you know, is like super out of date and is now then gets compromised because it doesn't have the latest updates. So software updates, incredibly important, good endpoint security software, very, very important. We talked about backups and the importance of backing up taking time to think through your data and maybe even classifying data. It doesn't have to be complex, but you do want to think about protecting data in the sense of like what data can be public, what data is like internal, like it would be, I tend to think of this as like, if this data got out, who would be affected? Is it just me? Would I be embarrassed? (laughs) Or would my customers be hurt in some way? So you start thinking about 
classifying your data in that way of like, this is more important than this. This data is more important than that. And then when you're thinking about securing that data, now you've got like, okay, this data is the most important to me to protect and to secure. And so I'm going to put the tightest rules and policies around getting to it, right? So that's the systems that access it, the people that access it, the accounts. Yeah. And kind of go from there. So where can people find and connect with you, Jen? So our website is geekgirltech.com. It's a G-E-E-K-G-I-R-L-T-E-C-H.com. And they can connect with us there or you can find me on LinkedIn. There you go. Thank you so much for being here, Jen. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you. And that's bring us to the end of another episode. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Her CEO Journey, the business finance podcast for mission-driven women entrepreneurs. When you are ready to grow to the next level and seeking a finance team and a fractional CFO who are all in on your mission and can help you maximize profit to make a bigger social impact, connect with us at theprofitreimagine.com forward slash let's chat.